With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. Yeah. Oh, well, we didn't lose. That's that's all right, I guess. Uh, join me on the pod this week to discuss the imminent announcement of Maurizio Pochettino, some football that took place against Nottingham Forest, and answer all your listener questions. Our two very special guests. Firstly, he's what you get when you order Huey from a boys off wish. It's Harry. Harry, how are we doing, my man? I love that <laughs> intro. Uh, yeah, good. Thanks, mate. How are you? Not bad, my man. Not bad. And uh, making his debut of a podcast, long time, long time friend. It is the one, the only Chris Gag, the founder of the I Hate Christian Pulisic fan club. Apparently, apparently, uh, apparently, took inspiration from from Ross and Will in Friends and their I Hate Rachel Green club. But I cannot confirm or deny if that is true or not. Chris, how are we doing? I'm all right, mate. You? Yes, not bad, not bad. Um, before we get into it, I get guests tell people where they, you know, where to find them. So. Harry, why don't you tell people where they can find you for, for you know, some tweets? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at HK Saratov, which is S-A-R-A-T-O-V. Nice one. And Chris, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, I've got a nice and original Twitter handle. So I'm at Chris Gag, G-A-G-G. Lovely, lovely stuff. Right, let's get into it. We kind of got the news yesterday evening that sort of, you know, terms have been agreed with Maurizio Pochettino, Matt Law, Fabrizio Romano and David Ornstein all announcing that. Chris, I'll go to you first because we've already, you know, briefly had Harry's thoughts on, on Poch coming. Mm-hmm. Just what your thoughts, Phoenix, because it's been something we've been waiting for and mm-hmm. we sort of feel like it's going to be announced. We're going to get it very soon. Some clarity on, on what's coming for next season. Just your thoughts and things on on Pochettino, just that that higher. How are you feeling about it? Positive, to be honest. I think I think that you have to sort of um, look at what was actually in the market at the time in terms of managers. We've pretty much gone through the roster of 
elite world class managers as well over the last 20 years. So you'd be, even if you could tempt those uh, guys away from uh, their current clubs, it's not necessarily the right fit and it would just be kind of regurgitating the same, the same old, same old. Um, I like him. Um, he's, a, he's a project manager with good experience. He has won stuff, albeit at PSG. I think anybody could kind of uh, win that league title at PSG. However, Winning is experience uh, that you can't you can't sort of take for granted. Um, and what he did at Spurs, as much as we hate them as a fan base, is is quite admirable. Really, they, he actually turned them into a serious football team, uh, built a really good culture. Um, the players seem to kind of get galvanised around him, and that's exactly what we need. Um, and it's a huge job at the moment. We've got a bloated squad, disjointed squad. It needs pulling together. It needs people buying into a philosophy. It needs people playing um, with with an identity. And I think he's the guy that can kind of do that. I just hope he hits the ground running because if he doesn't, it's going to be, well, it'll be, back, it'll be Benitez kind of start pressure from the fans, won't it, in terms of because of his previous links. So I think he really needs to make sure he hits the ground running. So if he does, great. I think I think it can go on from there. My worry is if it if it starts slow, what will happen then? Will, will, will the owners kind of stick with him? Will the fans stick with him? Or, or will it turn quite nasty? That's my that's my kind of underlying concern. Nice one, nice one. Harry, I know we've sort of talked on pod before your thoughts of things, but now it's actually sort of seemingly the closest it's been. And it just seems sort of a matter now of uh, of when, not if. Just your thoughts, feelings on Pochettino, just, you know, the fact that him being the next man to, to take charge of this great football club. Yeah, I mean, my my base feeling is just that I'm excited, to be honest. I'm excited for this season to be over, excited for a fresh start, like a proper start where the new manager has, um, you know, the entirety of pre-season to work with. And I think picking up on what Chris said just there um, about um, him galvanising the Tottenham players to becoming, you know, a serious football team, I think that can happen again with us because we are not serious at the moment. Mm. And I, I think that he will sort of garner respect from the players. As I've said before, I think it, you know, he, he, he will be sort of father figure. Um, he's old enough for that. And he's, he's got the experience where he, he, he should demand respect, not just for himself, but for the club. Um, I don't think the players have respected Potter or Lampard or the club for the, for, you know, plenty of time now. And it's, it's just getting silly. So, um, and I think, some, something that I've wanted to speak on um, on my past couple of appearances on the pod is is building that culture again at the club. And you can see how important culture is. Just have to look at Arsenal, right? Arsenal, throughout the 2010s, had no culture. Um, they lost a lot of what their club meant. And they've rebuilt that, not just um, via personnel selections, you know, um, Arteta getting rid of the likes of Aubameyang and Gunduzi, you know, people who didn't want to play for Arsenal. But also um, they've, you know, got a new anthem. It, I think it's pretty cringe, but I know all my Arsenal mates absolutely love it. And you can hear the noise at the beginning of a game. Um, I think we need to somehow generate that. Um, I don't think we're going to achieve that as much as I love the Foo Fighters with the pr- Pretender. But I'm going off on a tangent here. But my point is, I think that Poch is um integral to building a new culture i i'm hoping he is anyway but like like chris Hatt says i you know i'd be lying if i didn't have that nagging doubt at the back of my mind despite poch being my my f- actual preferred candidate 
um, I've still got that worry that, you know, oh God, is it going to go tits up and are we going to be back to square one again? Pro- probably um, not not a, an unfounded worry given how, how bad things have been recently, to be honest. Fair enough, fair enough. Obviously, Maurizio Pochettino's seemingly imminent announcement may have some impact on, on Mesa Mount. We've heard that Mauricio Pochettino is really big on Mesa Mount, so that can hopefully only be good news. And obviously also, while the stadium talk does not necessarily need to be something that's happening soon, it is something that he also does have experience of managing Spurs from managing that transition from Spurs, uh, Spurs making the change. So that is, again, something that, that could be quite useful to have. Yeah, look, it's it's exciting. You know, we do not know how it'll go, but it's one to be excited about and time will only tell understandable concerns, but also a lot of reason to be fairly optimistic. And we kind of need to be optimistic after what we've been seeing with Chelsea this season, which makes a nice little segue into the game yesterday. Chris, I mean, that was, the first half was abysmal. Like, it was genuinely just awful. I couldn't really think of anything good we did. I think we had one decent cross from Lewis Hall that Felix headed straight at at Navas. Uh, and in the second half, Frank obviously, you know, said something to him at half time and they actually got going. Just your thoughts on my game. It kind of just sort of sums up Chelsea season. Good, good for mm. bits, but, you know, silly errors, stupid goals conceded. Just kind of sums up where we are on the mid table side we are. And also, you know, kind of shows the fact that, you know, Nottingham Forest also kind of where they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I caught up on the highlights again this morning just to kind of refresh, refresh things. I always think it's good to have a second look because when you watch games first time around, you, you kind of have an opinion on things. Um, but emotions are quite high at the time. I think the two goals, just lacks of concentration, poor judgment from multiple multiple points of view. I think it's, it's it's obviously easy on the first goal in particular to say Mendy got that horribly wrong. You could potentially make a case for him being a bit rusty, um, but it's quite clear the communication wasn't there. There's no communication. I watched Thiago Silva sort of looking at the striker just before the ball was coming in and, and passing him on. You can physically see him sort of passing on, but the other centre-back's not listening to him. So what's happened then is he's got between the two. Mendy's kind of then taken a half second too long to kind of react and then just completely mistimed everything. And it's just basic errors. It's stuff you see in Sunday league, not not top Premier League football. And I think that just kind of, like you said, I think it just kind of sums up where we are at the moment. We're not talking on the pitch. We're not communicating properly. We're not holding shape properly. Um, we're not doing the basics. We're not doing the things that you, you should be doing as a bare minimum, closing people down, passing people on, communicating properly. We're not coming out in, in clear lines, in blocks, um, when we're defending. And then the concentration just goes. So, you know, we, we, we give a goal away through lack of concentration. It's pretty flat after that. Nothing really happens. We play our usual shuffle ball, which is absolutely drab to watch at the moment but it is what it is second half we kind of come out with a bit of a rocket we work hard to get ourselves into a winning position and then four minutes later same thing happens again lacks of concentration completely unmarked there's no but if they're trying to play offside they've done it terribly and this is what I mean about coming out in blocks and coming out organized we didn't do that we left somebody completely well two or three of them completely unmarked and onside so that's communication it's basics. I say that to the girls team that I coach. You know, you, good teams communicate well. And you see what is supposedly one of the best Premier League squads. I know it's bloated. One of the top teams in world football in reputation, not this season, not doing the basics. And there's no excuse for that. You know, 
you've had what three managers this season. I don't. I, you can make a case for different managers not getting a tune out of the players, but I think the players have got a lot of a lot of what's gone wrong this season on their shoulders, and it's on them. Um, because as a footballer, you don't need a coach to tell you to talk to your teammates, and I think that's that's the really disappointing thing for me at the moment. They can they seem just completely disengaged, not doing the basics, and you get what you you get what you put into games. And the two two draw was probably a probably a steal for us, I think, uh, against the Forest team that are, are fighting for their lives. You know, we're just not there to compete. We're not there to, to to kind of put a stamp on the game, and that's what seven games winless at Stamford Bridge now, worst run in twenty eight years at home. It's probably enough said, isn't it? Really, I think that kind of just sums up all the records that we're breaking this year are, are absolute shockers. And I think um, you know, there's I see people kind of saying, "Oh, the last time we finished mid table, we won the league the following season." Yeah, but we had a team of champions that that time round. We, we haven't got a team of champions now. We haven't got any characters or leaders, or not enough. Um, and we've got far too many players in there that are looking to go or unhappy. So, big job, big job ahead. I think we've got three games left. I just hope we don't embarrass ourselves in those three. Maybe go out with a with a bit of a, a positive note against Newcastle last game of the season, and then you know let's just try and put this put the season to bed and, and never kind of remember it again. I think so. Yeah, not been a good one this year. Yeah, indeed. Chelsea fans have to go back to Tuesday, the 7th of March, for the last win at Stamford Bridge, which was versus Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League round of 16. And then three days before that, for a 1-0 win against Leeds United for the last Premier League win over two months at Stamford Bridge without a Premier League win. Um, Harry, one of a few positives, Raheem Sterling, two goals. Even, and again, I sort of feel like even in that first half, I'm still kind of like very frustrated with him. And then that second half, he sparks life. But that second half, Showed signs of a player, the signs of a player that we kind of thought we bought. First goal, being you know being in the box just to finish the kind of you know position we sort of want him to be in, and then that second goal is just the individual brilliance of the man that we know he's capable of. An encouraging performance from Raheem Sterling. I don't know something to kind of look ahead to for next season, or just is what it is. It feels quite hard to really tell. It was you know he was watching him play football, and that second half was actually quite nice yesterday. Yeah, um, I think it, I think. Given the fact that we obviously have a lot of negatives uh, to talk about this on this pod, um, it, it it is important to focus on the the, the few positives. Um, and I do think that Raheem, you know, um, he's not been great since he joined Chelsea, of course, but it's exciting to see um, him. I think what what was most exciting was after his two goals, you could see that he. He was. He had this confidence back. He started going past players. He started running at players. He started passing properly and actually looking like he was up for it, which um, you know is encouraging because I do think he's going to be here next season. You know, he's not. He's not one of the ones that will somehow be sold in the summer uh, uh, right after buying him. Um, I think that is a possibility for someone like Kukurea, but if we're if we're to believe certain reports, um, and you know, like you say, he. Deep down, he is um, a top-class player, um, and uh, he clearly demonstrated that. The second goal, especially, was was classic Raheem Sterling. The way he cut in and curled it into into the side netting was was brilliant. Um, and I also think another positive we should focus on is uh, Trevor Chaloba. I I, um, I think Chaloba is um, an underrated player. By the fan base, I don't know what it is why people dislike him so much. Okay, he sometimes looks quite ungainly. 
And I know he can get spun by a few of the top wingers in the league, but actually he's quite a reliable player. Um, he played right back yesterday. Um, and he's, I, I've, I, I think under Tuchel, he played quite well as sort of a marauding right, right-sided centre-back um, and his passing, his forward passing, particularly into like the forward lines has always been um, pretty decent. Uh, and his reading of the game, I think, is pretty sound as well. Um, I think he's just a reliable, at the very least, a squad player that should be kept for as long as possible. He's only going to get better. He's very young, come up through the academy, you know, respects and loves the club. So I thought that was encouraging to see. Um, I thought Enzo, again, like had a quietly good performance. And it, it, I think it, it says a lot that, you know, um, considering how horrific we've been um, since sort of the turn of the year, or well, just for, for ages now, isn't it? It's, um, Enzo, um, well, yeah, since he came in, Enzo has been one of the better players consistently in the team. And I think it's sad that we're having to play him in this really deep line role. And that's why, and you know, I've said it before on the pod, we must get uh, a quintessential uh, central defensive mid um, in the summer so that Enzo can play further up the pitch and we can actually get the most out of him because we clearly re- lack creativity and um, Enzo's got that in his locker. We we all know that. Um, he, he's he's best as an eight and I, I could not feel more strongly about that. Um, and so hopefully next season under Poch, we'll, we'll see him pulling the strings a bit more and getting us into um, some exciting positions to score goals. Yeah, I guess Chris one still the other Bryce Parks, Noni Madueke. Um again, another sort of runner starts. He's lively, he likes to take a man on. I guess my only criticism is I feel like he holds on to the ball a bit too long at times. He doesn't, you know, he's not I get he doesn't make that final decision quickly enough. But again, just encouraging and while we will get on to the absence of Madrid a bit later on, at least it is nice to see that he is one winger sort of getting consistent game time under Frank. Yeah, I, I actually, I was going to, when Harry was sort of talking about the positives there, I was, I was wondering if he was going to mention uh, Madoiki because um, exactly that. I think what's, what I like about him is he, he's taking players on. I think we, we're very predictable in terms of our, our attacking phases of play. Um, in the last, I would say, the last two years, even under, with, with Tuchel, where it's kind of over overloading on the wings, crosses coming in, um, that kind of stuff. What, we, what we're kind of starting to see glimpses of now is we might have a few different ways to attack teams and, and Madueke is one of those, I think, playing playing on that right-hand side, cutting in. I think he linked up well with Chalaba uh, for the one of the goals yesterday as well. I quite like the way that they kind of, they work together and sort of move that ball around to create that sort of cutback position. Um, he's young, so I think that's where the kind of decision-making, I think what you've referred to there is, it's just sort of decision-making, holding the ball on for too long. Um, there was one quite, quite particular marauding run that he did where you feel like he could have just shuffled that ball off maybe a touch earlier and that creates a, that creates a goal scoring opportunity but that will come and I think if you've got if you've got a sort of when Poch comes in and he can kind of get that sort of productivity uh, out out of him and kind of draw that out in a similar way that he did with Son I think uh, at Spurs you know he kind of just improves his decision making in the final third I think when you um, when you've got somebody with that amount of talent that can be coached um, in such a way that that, that will come. So he's, he's an absolute positive. Um, and I think it's good to see him getting a run of games now towards the end of the season. I'd like to have seen Frank done this a lot earlier, to be honest, in terms of his team selections. I think he's been far too 
um, cagey at times. I think we've got a lot of young and exciting players in the squad that have clearly got a future here and then some that clearly don't. So, you know, it's disappointing to see players like Ziyech still floating around and getting on, getting onto the onto the pitch. I'd much rather see Mudrik come on uh, over Ziyech. I can't really get my head around that. Um, but we have got some positive... I, I don't think we've done badly in the January transfer market, to be honest. I think what we've done is we've, we've gone out and we've attacked the market with a view to clearing out in the summer. And that's created the situation that we've got in the second half of the season now where we've got 30-odd players, which is almost impossible to kind of maintain and get any kind of structure out of. And that's kind of, that's manifested into what we've seen. Um, but I actually think the business we've done in January in particular, which was a lot more focused with a clear, with a clear identity and plan for what we were trying to do. Um, so yeah, M- Mudrick, and uh, Maduiki, I think, very exciting players. And hopefully a lot more to come from them under the guidance of Pochettino. Yeah, left-back Lewis Hall, uh, you know, decent, decent game. I think obviously, you know, loses or switches off for sort of a second for mm. Forrester's equaliser. But again, he's young. I think, you know, it's just him. Inexperience, I'm not going to be too harsh on that. And again, you know, I thought actually was fairly sort of enough game at left-back. Um I guess sort of some other sort of news that we sort of got full time yesterday. Obviously, yesterday was sort of a celebration of Thiago Silva. Where there was a banners in the shed and Mavion for him, and obviously Bell afterwards on social media was saying, you know, was very grateful for him and then saying, you know, we're happy in London, we're staying in London. There were obviously talks, reports that he might go at the end of the season. Uh, back, you know, Fluminense was was what was linked. Um, Harry, I guess, just you know that that was sort of just quite nice, you know, to hear. Obviously, nice to see, you know, how very grateful that they and the family are for it. Obviously, I think it's been pretty clear. They have certainly bought into Chelsea Football Club, which I don't think necessarily all players are, and maybe, you know, do, but him and his family certainly have done that. Um, so that was very nice to see. And I guess just nice that, you know, Thiago should, you know, by all accounts, be here next season. We don't know necessarily what kind of role he'll have under Poch because obviously Poch will, you know, play a back, tends to like playing a back form. We have got options there. It'll be interesting to see how... Well, Suti is, but it'll just be nice to have him in and around the dressing room, that sort of presence, that leader that we 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 do so clearly lack those type of characters in this dressing room. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, I think this team sorely lacks leaders. Um, I think there's a few players in our squad that could be future leaders and perhaps already are. I think Enzo falls into that category. Um, Mount, um, providing he stays, um, is I would definitely say as a leader. Um, but Silva, yeah, he, in terms of experience, heads and being proper leaders, he, he he exemplifies that. Perhaps he could be a bit more vocal sometimes, but I know English isn't his first language, so it's not that that easy. But he he's obviously um, Champions League winner with us, and um, yeah, I, I I think it's hard to criticise the guy, um, it, you know, in this time here and and. Um, it's easy to forget, I guess, amongst all this sort of doom and gloom at the moment, how well he has played for Chelsea o- over the course of his career at Chelsea. Um, um, he, he, he's he's fantastic. I can't really uh, say say many bad things about him, and and I agree that it's great that um, his his family bought into the club. I think we ne- we need to see more of that from other players. So yeah, good news as far as I'm concerned. Lovely, lovely stuff. As said, with that draw against Nottingham Forest yesterday, it meant that Chelsea failed to win four of their six Premier League games against newly promoted sides this season. One, two, drawn three, lost one. The Blues have never failed to win more such games in a single Premier League toothless campaign. So again, 
breaking records. But, you know, hey, at the time of recording, Chelsea have now officially outscored Erling Haaland in the Premier League this season. For now, <laughs> we've scored one more. He obviously goes to Everton later and, you know, fingers crossed, him and Man City certainly do the business. <laughs> but hey, we finally outscored Erling Haaland as well this season. Um, I guess we've probably got to talk about it because, you know, the nature, the goals. Chris, Edouard Mendy comes in net to net for Kepa. Mm. An interesting choice because I don't, you know, I know there's always been talk about Kepa and, you know, he has made some mistakes, but again, it did sort of feel time that it just sort of felt that Kepa was going to come in and we've had reports that Mendy is, you know, seemingly on the door. So that did sort of seem a bit of an odd selection. As I said, his first game in the league since November. So, you, you know, forgive him for, for some rust. But I guess ultimately, have we kind of seen in this period that Chelsea do need a new goalkeeper with, you know, the form of, of Edouard Mendy and, Despite we'd all probably say Kepa's had a decent season for Chelsea, probably his best season in Chelsea, the questions still remain on him. Is it just become more clear than ever that Chelsea need a new goalkeeper in the summer? Oh, yeah. And I think let's not forget, Mendy was brought in as a very short-term solution because we needed to get a replacement for Kepa sorted. And we went out into the market and we spent £20 million on a on a, a relatively unknown goalkeeper to try and patch up that, that plaster, put a plaster over that kind of problem. Um, no surprise that the plaster has fallen off completely. Um, we are back where we were previously, but we've now got two goalkeepers not up to it instead of instead of one. Um, yeah, strange selection yesterday, only in the sense that it, the timing of it, in my opinion, it probably should have been done a few games earlier because he's been fit for a while from, from memory now. I think Mendy's been full, fully, fully back training for at least a month or so. I think I'd have just chucked him in a bit earlier just to see if they, if we could get a bit of a tune out of him. Um, I think, you know, throwing him in with four games to go and the next three being against City United and Newcastle, I don't really see what the point of that was. Uh, you might as well have just kept kept Kepa in there because at least he's at least he's got some kind of rhythm and form. Um and we kind of know where the uh, you know the back four or five or whatever it is that we go with are kind of familiar with 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 him. Um so, yeah, strange, strange decision to do it from a timing point of view. We've got to go out and get the goalkeeper. It's a priority position. In fact, I'd probably say we're, we're three key signings minimum. Maybe you can make an argument for four, but all of them are through the spine of the team. It's goalkeeper, it's centre midfielder, I'd argue maybe potentially two, maybe, and a centre forward. That's what we need. And we have to get the goalkeeper right. Championship winning teams have world-class, reliable, match-winning goalkeepers. We haven't had that since Courtois left. And that was, we won the league and then he left, or the season after. We've not been a serious team since since he left. As much as we call him a snake and all of that, we've seen the other week when he, when we played against him in, in the Champions League. He's just world-class. He, he, he keeps his team in the game at a crucial moment. That is what a proper goalkeeper does. We don't have that. We haven't had that for a long time. So that means that when the defenders do make the mistakes, the communication mistakes, the slips, the kind of things that we saw yesterday when they're passing on centre forwards and not not picking up and things like that, a world-class keeper comes out and collects that ball and, it, and it's not even a problem. That's that's the kind of thing that we're kind of dealing with. So, yeah, absolutely. Who it is, I'd quite like Onana, personally. Uh, or the French goalie uh, Inter. Is he at Inter? I, think, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he was, uh, uh, he was in France for Milan, Mike Maignan. Yeah, I'd love him. I don't think we can get him reading the reports. I think he, he's going to be either A, expensive, or B, it's just going to be a flat no. 
Um, but I, I think we've got a potential outside chance at Nana. I think at least he's he's potentially available. Um, I don't know of any other names floating around. If you guys have heard anything, got any preferences? But yeah, it's it, it's a key it's a key area and it's a concern. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's just frustrating that for a period of time, Edouard Mendy, we thought could be a heel goalkeeper for a long time. And actually, his fall mm-hmm. from grace has been really, really dispiriting. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, We're going to move on to listener questions because that allows us to get into some other topics in the game. Uh, First question comes in from RJ. Gents, it's easy to get caught in frustration about poor results, but can you share any positive you've noticed in terms of players, patterns of play, moments, etc.? For me, I'm pleased that at least we scored five times in our past two games, breaking our recent drought. I mean, Harry, talking about recently, we kind of, I know you mentioned earlier, but it does fulfil that some of our attacking players are a bit more of a positive. Raheem Sterling, a positive these last two games, came on off a bench against Bournemouth, got an assist as well. Two goals uh, yesterday. Madweki, we've kind of already mentioned as well. And, you know, those, those positive... Harry, any other sort of positives or things you've noticed from these last two games or whatever? Maybe not from, well, from the past two games. I mean, Badia Shield. I think we we have to mention him really. I don't think he was a particular standout yesterday, but he was against Bournemouth. I think he was my man in the match. Um, so I think I think he's a he's a notable positive um, in terms of patterns of play. Definitely not. Um, and I think you know we'll get onto that with the other listener questions um, as to why. But yeah, it's uh, I think RJ's right to highlight the fact that we have scored five times. We went a long time without scoring a goal and to the point where we actually celebrated. We you know, everyone's like, We scored a goal. Um so that that's that's fantastic, but <laughs> yeah, we're clutching at straws, aren't we guys? We're we're absolutely clutching yeah. at straws. Yeah, there's RJ, I'll be honest, there's kind of very little I can always say like other than my usual ca- standard like Conor Gallagher gave 100% and you know he's been one of the better players under Frank like I'm genuinely sort of clutching at straws here Chris anything to add before we move on I think not necessarily in the two games but we in Enzo we've got a central midfielder that can pass forward and when hopefully he stays Mason passes forwards as well so we're actually getting this potential if, if, if we can coach it right we've got midfielders that can pass through the lines rather than shuffle the ball sideways um, so we look I think it's not necessarily um, sort of anything positive within the last two games, but the signs are there that we can change how we play and how we approach teams. We're not going to be sat in front of two blocks of two banks of four shuffling the ball sideways. I think we've now got people that within the squad will pass through the lines and take those chances and not worry about pass completion stats. 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's that's probably something I'd probably just throw in and add on there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next question comes in from Dieter. Hi guys, should Mendy play our next game? Will Slanina play a game this season? I mean, I think Mendy will play our next game, and I think he'll play our remaining games. I don't think we'll see Slanina this season. Um, Harry, I don't. I mean, I think that's what will happen, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think Slanina, for whatever reason, will will play a game. It's just like um, that trophy for Fana, isn't it? These players, for whatever reason, just never get a chance. Um, I, you know, I think Mendy. I'm. I'm not a fan of Mendy, but I definitely rate him higher than Kepper. And yesterday, that goal was like a dagger to my heart because um, it, it was just—I I would say it's mostly his fault because he—he's—he's he, he's come out when he shouldn't have. In number one rule as a goal is if you come out, you've got to deal with it. Um, mm. And he just mistimed it completely. And whether you put that down to nerves and rustiness and him trying to point, um, trying to prove a point, um, it's not, it doesn't matter. It was a terrible decision. Um, I still think he's a better shot stopper than Kepper. And I would still prefer to see him play our next game. As Chris said, I think it's a huge surprise that Lampard didn't get him in earlier. Um, and uh, instead of like four games before the end of the season, it's absolutely bizarre. And we'll, we'll, I think the other uh, listener questions address that, so we'll come on to that in a second. But um, the, with regards to the bizarre decision making, but yeah, I do think Mendy will play our next game. Yeah, Chris in agreement. Yeah, I, I, yeah, might as well keep it. I don't, I don't think we see anybody else now between the sticks unless there's an injury or something off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm not sure you want to throw Slanina into these next three games as well, <laughs> never having never played. I mean, Premier League football. Uh, we'll go into the next question. Why do you think Lampard isn't giving Mudrick many opportunities? Goes for the rest of the youngsters too. DDF, Chuk, etc. I'm before we get into, I'm absolutely fine with Fafana not really being involved much. I honestly am not like I know everyone kind of raved about that first half performance when we lost to Southampton in the first half, and I really wasn't impressed with what I saw. I just saw someone who there was a lot of effort which is probably why he stood out because it was more effort from anyone else showed on the pitch. And in that sense, he was maybe unlucky to get up to halftime, but I didn't actually see anything that was actually useful or going to help us win that game of football that time. And I think he's incredibly raw and he was probably, and he was bought with you know, the idea of him going on loan at some point and being involved. And you asked me a question, who would I rather have? I'm still taking Joao Felix or Kai Havertz up top over David Detro Fafana. I am at this point. Absolutely. I am. Finally, Chukameka is a really interesting one because we kind of saw I mean, he, came, he was coming on, you know, in October in games situations when we're drawing nil-nil with teams, try and come on winner. And I don't quite get his absence. I think, did Frank say we might have been ill or whatever? Did did he say we might have been ill recently? I'm not quite sure. But his absence is sort of an interesting one. Again, signed in the summer. Really interesting what we do with him. Um, Mudrick is, is obviously the main gripe, I think. As a ZH, fair enough. He came on last week, helped us get a result. But I... Yeah, I think that was a game, especially you know, Forrest Mudrick could have was probably more likely to hurt them than than as the edge was. Um, Chris, I'll go to you on this. You have, you know, is the Lampard's? I don't want to say treatment because I don't think it's necessarily like treatment's the right word, but it is. It is sort of interesting how Mudrick. We it doesn't feel like he doesn't seem to be getting sort of the similar opportunities that now Nomi is getting in this team. And I don't know if you've got any thoughts on Fafana uh, and Chukameka. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I'd say is this isn't necessarily a unique Frank situation. I think this is a continuation of what we saw with the Potter. 
um, because let's 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 not sort of forget that these guys weren't getting minutes under the guy that oversaw them coming in, which I found even stranger. I think the 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 the, the query that I would throw at Frank is: you've got a free hit, you know you're in here till the end of the season. Why not give it a go? Why not try and see? if you can get something out of them, because what he did so well in his first stick with us, in my opinion, was draw out, you know, the talent from the youngsters. And we can't, because we had no choice, but he, he, you know, we got these players working really, really well for him. So yeah, Mudrick is a strange one. Yes, he was technically in pre-season when he signed. So the argument at the time we were throwing out was, well, he's, you know, it's working his way in. He's fit now, surely. What what good is it leaving him on the bench now and then not giving him a kick till the summer? I would 100% like to see this guy starting at least two of the next three games. Um, great that Nonny's getting the runs, but you know you can if you if you don't want to play two youthful wingers and you want to have Raheem there, which I'm fine with. You need to you need to at least split the game time between the two rather than giving Nonny a free complete free run at it on his own. Um, Trick Wemke, I actually liked him at the start of the season. I thought he was a really promising guy. Kids, I think he's got a lot of talent. I thought he was doing a lot of good things. So I'm really disappointed to see his minutes kind of tail off and and disappear into the ether again. Unless there's an actual reason for him not being there, illness, injuries, or, or whatever, I don't get it. Um, and and the same with Fafana. I take your point, Nick. Um, the only thing I would say is, what harm would it have been to have him on the bench to kind of give him? 10, 15 minutes here and there to see if we can, if we can kind of feel his way in and kind of get those moments. We haven't got a centre forward out and out one. Why not? Why not? What we, what we're going to lose by having him sort of on the squad available for to, to kind of come in. Um, I suppose the only caveat I'd throw in that in terms of why we're still seeing players that clearly are on the way out. Maybe there's a bit of pressure to to kind of keep them in the eye of potential suitors for transfer fees. That's the only thing I can really think of. In, in that respect but you know that's where politics gets in ahead of actual sort of playing and I hate that aspect but that is part of football so maybe that's got a bit to play with it but yeah disappointing I think you know you've, you've got a free crack at the rest of the season I don't think Frank's utilised it to the best that he could have he could have been a lot braver um, and I think he's been, a, he's been a lot cager which is a disappointing thing but mm. let's see what we do in the next three games you never know as long as we don't beat City and absolutely ruin it for uh, <laughs> gift us on the title win the other two that's absolutely fine by me yeah, I, um, Harry I'll go to you in a second I'm just going to throw this one in sure. the middle because the question relates to it if you've won your first game in months by using young players and have other youngsters who need games why would you bring back veterans who are leaving refusing to use five subs ignoring Mudrick starting Mendy out of pity that's being a bit harsh these aren't the decisions of a competent coach Andrew's not very happy uh, we can <laughs> gauge by that tweet um, it's interesting because I mean it was nice you know all the criticism people have had about Frank bringing on Aspliqueta over Lewis Hall last week at Bournemouth, he does start Lewis Hall this week mm-hmm. against Nottingham Forest. We do see Madwaki get a run. Sterling, okay, Sterling is the one who replaces Mudrick. Other than that, I think it's probably a fairly similar, similar-ish side to last week. Baddy Shile is still playing. Silver played last week. You know, mm-hmm. Chalabar played right back last week, I think, as well. So I think it's still fairly similar there. But Harry, I'll go for your question. Mudrick. Is is a big one, but just thoughts on sort of the the youngsters not perhaps playing as much as we'd like. Yeah, I mean, this is perhaps controversial, but um, I find it so bizarre to the point where I actually think that there's interference from the top. Um, I don't. 
you know, you, like Chris alluded to, the, the first uh, season with Frank saw him playing players that really fought for their place in the side, really had determination, were fresh, were raw. Um, and he he did not have any... Um, he, he was not worried about doing that at all. Whereas this time, he's like a completely different bloke. Whether that... Is, you know, I'm trying to think of common denominators. Maybe Jody Morris was the reason why we saw so many uh, youth products. But I, I, I find that unlikely. I think that what's more likely is that the ownership are very conscious that they have an extremely inflated squad, right? So what do you do as an ownership to reduce that squad and keep the players that you want and sell the players that, you, uh, that you'd like to get rid of? You give game time to them. You put them in the shop window. That's why we're seeing the likes of Ziyech instead of Madrid because he's going in the summer. He is going in the summer with, you know, um, and, and I think the, the same can be said... Um, for other players that, that Lampard has played ahead of um, youngsters. Um, and I also think, you know, you've got to bear in mind from a business point of view, nothing really changes. We're going to be 11th at the end of the season. Probably, maybe, you know, maybe at worst we'll be 12th. But um, the point is nothing changes from a business perspective. So it's much better to actually influence what's happening um, to your advantage uh, from a transfer point of view by saying to Frank, look, you know, you have to play a, a, a set number of players that we want to sell per match, right? I don't know what that is, but he's probably being given a list of players that um, he has to put in the shop window and then the rest he can do what he likes with. Um, but I, yeah, that's that's maybe it is a conspiracy theory. Maybe I might, maybe I should take my tinfoil hat off, but I'm just being logical here. You know, I'm trying to see, use common sense and apply that apply it to what I see uh, and what I understand about Frank Lampard and what I understand about the club. Um, I do, uh, just going back to Chukwameka, I think that's the one that hurts the most for me because I think that um, Kovacic has been particularly poor. Again, another one that will probably be sold in summer. Um, and I would have loved to see Frank give Carney some minutes. Um, I thought he, he was um, exciting to watch when he first played but you know Chris said it as well maybe um, you know this dates back to under Potter as well like I, I feel like there's been interference from the top over squad selections um, but yeah I, I would have loved to see Chuck Mecca um, instead of the likes of uh, Kovacic the likes of at times Gallagher even though Gallagher has been decent under Frank I, I have to give him that but he was Again, perhaps poor yesterday. I still don't think he's Chelsea quality long term. At, at best, maybe a, a squad player. Um, Fafana, Datro Fafana is an interesting one. I, I do hear you, Nick. I don't think he was particularly amazing and people sort of like went wild. But the point is, like, why are we playing a Bamiyang? Again, are we putting a Bamiyang in a shop window for summer? Um, because it feels like it, like, you know, Aubameyang clearly doesn't want to be here. He spent more time in Barcelona's dressing room than actually, um, you know, looking like he wants to play for Chelsea. Um, so I would have rather seen someone who, you know, we we bought um, fairly recently, young, raw, and and perhaps determined than bloody Aubameyang. So, um, yeah, the whole thing has been bizarre, frustrating, and I cannot wait. It's like probably the biggest reason why I cannot wait for this new era, era under Poch because 
I don't think it's real. Like, I feel like Frank is just there to be the fall guy, to be the PR um, merchant, because um, we're not really seeing a real Frank Lampard. He's not had a chance to coach. Like people, people were complaining about Frank's coaching, literally in his first game. That you've got to be thick as a plank to take that approach because he's not been given time to work with them. Um, okay, you can say he probably has now, but even then, like, they don't respect him. Why would they respect him? He's only here until the end of the season, so why listen to him, you know? And th- when we're talking about top level of sport, right, top level p- Premier League football, every every margin matters, every percent matters. So if you're, if you've got slight, um, you go to training one week, and you're not feeling like that particularly inspired by Frank Lampard because you know he's going to be gone at the end of the season. That makes a difference on the pitch. These small, tiny things accumulate um, and 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 basically give us what we we've, we've seen lately, which is basically the worst side in the Premier League. I, we have the worst form in the Premier League, and you know there's there's no getting away from that. It's um it's a perfect storm of horrific factors. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next question comes in from Rob. Why have we started zonal marking when no top side uses it? I'll, I'll take this one. I think it's a fairly easy question to answer, actually, um, because it's easy, right? Um, when you're constantly changing the squad every week, week to week, it's easy to implement zonal marking because you learn it from a young age as a footballer. No, you, you, Frank, again, doesn't have the time to coachman marking um and so yeah it's a flippant answer but it, it, it's true i hate i hate zonal marking personally as well i think rob's right to highlight it as um something that needs to be fixed and, and removed as soon as potch comes in and hopefully a new set piece coach but um yeah the answer is because it's easy you're changing the squad every week um we've got tons of players that need game time uh so zonal marking is the answer and also i think when you've got two goalkeepers especially Kepper, that don't have command of their box, zona marking is also um, uh, perhaps easier to implement. So uh, I, Chris, our coach, we'll get the coach's perspective now, Harry. Yeah, yeah see, I, I, I do disagree to a point. I think, I think, um, I, I mean, I think zona marking is, is useless. I hate it. I think it breeds confusion. It, it, in my opinion, it hands the advantage to the attacking team. Because you're basically allowing people to have a three, four, five yard run up on you, and these big, powerful blokes coming in on top of you, and you're just standing in, a, in an open bit of space, hoping that you can deal with that ball. Um, I, I personally think it's easy enough to coach, structure, set team specialists. I think Aston Villa have got a set team specialist actually, um, and they they are well drilled. Now, take the point we've got a big bloated squad and stuff like that, but. <laughs> You're on a training pitch every day. It's not hard to pick up. You say, right, you're near post, you're back post. You pick up the, and then you hype match people. And then you just make life difficult. You you put blockers in. I don't, I don't think it's difficult to coach um, tracking a man and, and, and sort of just attacking balls. I think you, you're asking for it, if, if, in my honest opinion. And a team that doesn't communicate properly as it is to, to put defenders in, open areas of space, allowing people to take runs at them. We look we look horrifically vulnerable at set pieces. Um, 
more so than we've ever done it before. Um, I've never, I've, even the half and half model where you get half zone mark and then half picking up and stuff like that. I hate that. Just I take agree. ownership. Take ownership for your player. You, you have a man, you take ownership for that player and they do not win that ball under any circumstances. That's just basic competitive football. You should just be thinking, nobody is getting anywhere near this ball other than me. But why no. do you think he's um? Why do you think he's using it? I think that's the question that Rob's I, asking because I, I, yeah, I hate I, it as I, well. I think I was going to go back to this. I think this is an opportunity for Frank, if any, as much as anybody else, to put himself in the shot window. We've talked about other players going in the shot window. I listened to um, one of the high performance podcasts that Jake Humphries did uh, on a drive down to, to Essex last week. Actually, Frank was on it, and he was talking about his kind of learns from the Chelsea period, and at the time he was Everton manager. Um, I actually think Frank's been a little bit damaged by the back end of that experience at Everton. I think he's coaching with a bit of fear and a bit of intimidation. I think um, I think it's almost like players, right? So young players play without fear, and the older they get and the experiences they get, you kind of they kind of get moulded by those. I think there's an element of fear that's come into or hesitation that's come into Frank's coaching. Um, maybe that's why he's doing it. Or, or maybe maybe that's what the players have said in a meeting that they feel more comfortable with and he's trying to listen to them and maybe he's trying to find a balance that way in terms of maybe that, you know, if you start listening to the players and doing what the players prefer to do, that might get a bit of a better balance. I don't know, Harry, it, it, and, and, and that's, that's part of the problem, really. There's a lot of I don't knows. We don't really know what the hell's going on and why things are happening the, the way they are. Um, it, it won't change now with the last three games of the season. But it's been a it's been a mistake because we were quite solid at set pieces, and um, you know now we just look vulnerable. I think we were lucky not to concede a couple more yesterday from set pieces. One in particular yeah. at the back post, which you know if he gets half a touch on that, it, that's yeah. in the back of the net, isn't it? So yeah, not not great, and I I I hate it. I hate it as a as a principle of coaching. I think it was Benitez that brought it in or made it like a big thing. I remember back in the time, I think in you know Liverpool were laughing stock at that time for doing it and they made a massive thing from an analysis point of view about the market I've never been a fan Fair enough yeah obviously I think the first goal we concede it comes from sort of a deep cross mm. uh, and then the second goal literally comes from a throw in and there's a moment in the first half where literally sort of right in front of me Forest player heads uh, in the opening minutes head post and you're wondering how is that actually not going to somehow flicks past post yeah. and there's a moment as well in the second half as well yeah in general you do kind of fear for even Bournemouth last week they missed a great chance at 1-1 with about 15 minutes to go right yeah. in front of goal any bare connection and there 2-1 up and Chris it is interesting you mentioned the fact with fear when we first had Frank there was almost this youthful naivety towards him which was quite nice there wasn't he had not been damaged he'd only had the derby job prior to that where they, he got them to the playoff final which is probably mm-hmm as good or what people would have really expected from that team. And even in that first season, he was kind of just, you know, there wasn't a huge expectation and pressure on him. And in those, you know, situations, he did quite well. And then when the pressure came to him, particularly that second season, even if that second season actually wasn't, was fairly decent up till the last one, but it does sort of seem that these last sort of, where it ended at Chelsea, that crazy environment that is Everton, there might potentially be a little bit of long-lasting Damage from yeah. that because he he just does not seem called that same individual that we saw when he first took the job back in 2019 with us. You know, that's being that's a very know, fair point. I do. I was just gonna. I'll just add on it because I think it's. I think it's an interesting topic uh, on this. If you when you hear Frank speak, he's a very thoughtful and reflective person. 
you know, he really kind of analyzes what he's done in the past and stuff like that to, to the detriment of himself. I, I think, I think he overthinks things a little bit too much. Um, I think what he really needs to go away and do, because he, I think he's, I think he is a good manager and I think he could be a good manager, but I think he really needs to establish his core fundamentals, his, his, his unmovable principles in terms of how he sets teams up. I think at the moment he tweaks things too much, like five changes from a winning team last week, for example. You know, just keep it the same if you can, as much as you possibly can. Only change it if we've got injuries. But, you know, it's kind of like that tinkering. And, you know, I think he's a good manager. He needs to, I think, wherever he goes next, I hope he gets the core. I hope he gets the time. And I hope he understands who he is in terms of his core and move principles. And then he can build from there. And, and I hope I hope he goes to he goes and does it. But yeah, um, yeah, I've got not much more I can say on that. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with his his kind of approach and self criticalness or, or anything like that. Yeah, it's just, I think it's the biggest shame for a lot of us is there doesn't seem to have been much growth sort of in him no. since what we saw in those first certainly those two scenes of manager with Derby and at Chelsea. You generally got the sense of like this person like he there's obvious there was obvious flaws to it. There's a genuine sense that this he could be like quite a good coach, and it sort of seems post then he's almost sort of just gone from that to almost becoming just a laughing stock and a bit of a meme, which is you know quite a great shame. Certainly, yeah. you know, a great shame to see you know as well because with that sort of comes the devaluing sort of him as a as a person as character, which is obviously not nice to see. But it is interesting what will happen for him next. And as I said we talk about shop window. This is this time in charge has done him basically no favors. You know, putting himself in a shop window, and you do kind of wonder what's next, and you know. Mm-hmm. Realistically, you're, I think if you're Frank, you're looking at a championship job at best right now. Uh, if you're if you're moving if you're here moving forward, it's fascinating um, though, isn't it? Because like like you say, his first season at Chelsea, we if you look at our stats, we were way overperforming what was expected of us. Um, I've got them somewhere. I can retweet it if people are interested. But um, we were, you know, only behind City and Liverpool for a lot of attacking stats and and defensive ones as well. Um, and um, I think the biggest thing that I miss from Lampard's football of that season that we haven't seen at all since he's been here and I do think it's understandable because he hasn't had that time perhaps and um, we're just in this rut mentally no one's got any confidence but we played some really good one touch uh, and very quick um, attacking move attacking moves um Harry, can I stop you there? Because sure. our next question comes in and says, why are our attacking moves so slow? So continue. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? Like, I, I thought that we would see an element of that, just a bit of a bit more chaos, because Lampard's first season, that's what made it, to an extent, so exciting, is because it was chaotic, um, and it was quick, and it was it, some of the most exciting football to watch at Chelsea um, for a while. Um, and um, we haven't seen any of that. Everything is just so lethargic. Um, I think if I was, you know, I don't think there's an easy answer to this, but if I was trying to um, rationalise it, I would say that um, confidence is such a huge thing in sport and we're lacking that incredibly so. Like every single player, their confidence is on the floor. We saw a bit of confidence for Sterling yesterday and suddenly he's you know he looks like a different player he looks like the player we we thought we bought where people were running 
um, where he's running at uh, opponents, etc. Um, so I think mentality and confidence is a huge thing for that. Um, but also, I just think it's system, right? We have no system at, at the moment, um, and I don't think we sh- we could expect. I, I I'm not off coach. Maybe Chris can shed more light on this, but I feel like um, you know expecting Lampard to implement his system on um, Chelsea, you know, in this interim period is perhaps uh, just misguided. But um, I would have liked to see more. I definitely did not think it would this be this bad. Um, I don't I, I don't think any of us were expecting Pep Guardiola, but the the, the amount of losses we've had. Um, it's it's ridiculous, and I think you can put it a lot down to the lack of um, determination and intensity, right? You know, Antonio Conte used to talk about that word a lot. Intensity. We have no intensity at the moment, and I'm hoping Pochettino can bring that back. Yeah, I think I think you're right. You can't implement a system. I think what what he could have implemented is just confidence. You know. I don't know what the message would have been, but my message would have been sort of along the lines of that we've got how many games we was? 11 games. There's not really a great deal going on for us for the rest of the season. So play without fear, be brave, express yourselves on the pitch. Um, don't play safe. Just go and attack teams, have a go. Because, you know, if you play, I think that was the, that's the thing. If you, if, if you play with no ambition and you lose, that's well, just really poor. I'd have much rather we'd have gone out. And if we get pumped 4-3 or 5-3, great, like, fine. We've still lost a game of football, but at least it feels like we've had a go and we've actually gone and watched a game of football and we've seen players expressing themselves and there'll be a lot more positives to come out of it. So I think system, no. Mentality, uh, yes. And that's what's been the disappointing thing because we played... There was one game recently where we just had Sterling. He was the only recognised forward on the pitch. Not even, And he was playing centre-forward. You know, you're just thinking to yourself, looking at the bench and thinking, what are we going? What's going on here? You know, that's not that's not mentality that I would have liked to have seen him brought in. And I think that's the thing. So system, no. Mentality, yes. And it's not quite carried through, which I think is disappointing. As an ardent Frank Lampard fan and lover, um, you know, he's my favourite player of all time. Got you know, loved his first stint with us. Just really disappointed in, in certain aspects from his second Second stint, but look, you know, there's a lot to be disappointed about at the moment, and it's not all on Frank. Like I said, I think this predominantly sits with the players and the owners. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. And yeah, say that's why, why we just move so as a confidence, I think, is a big thing in football when it just you know to show when you get that bit of that confidence going and say Trevor Nonny and for instance on the second half and right side did get us moving a bit quicker, and I think it yeah, confidence is a is a bit of a big thing there. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Next question. How fast can we ship Felix to Madrid? Um, well, was a question. He would have been, you know, it'd been easy to forget that he played yesterday. Um, but I reckon that was the most anonymous Joao Felix performance we've seen. And that includes, you know, Real Madrid in the Champions League uh, away from home. Genuinely, I could not. You know, there was a moment, I think he had one shot when we were sort of getting on top of Nottingham Forest in that second half. But aside from that, I can't remember anything he did. Harry, uh, you, I'm still sort of like, I'm still sort of jury out. Like if, if another loan has come available, I'd still be like, get him in a better environment. You know, I'm intrigued to see what he could do. But it is sort of looking like Joao Felix. Yeah, just cheers. Cheers for, you know, making football occasionally look quite fun, but just, just cheerio. Yeah, honestly, like, I mean, Chris will know this more than anyone because I I, I um, spent a lot or some time in a group chat with him. And um, before Felix joined, I was I was quite excited about the prospect of him coming to Chelsea. Um, I liked the player a lot. Um, he's quite stylish and enjoyable uh, to watch. Um, and I thought he he could be su- a great player at Chelsea. Um, I think I've gone completely full circle now. Like I, I think yesterday was the final straw for me. Um, he's just all style, no substance. And, um, you know, how many matches, I, I think I tweeted it, I said, how many matches has he had for Chelsea where he's not registered a single key pass, right? Lewis Hall created three chances yesterday. Joe Felix didn't create a single one. Um, and it, it's it's interesting you say that he's anonymous. Um, he was anonymous and it felt very, very Havertz-esque. Um, another player who I thought was going to do brilliant things and arguably has with the Champions League goal, but he's never, he just doesn't, Havertz different topic, but um, Felix, um, I personally feel that we've seen enough now um, not to spend the ex- exorbitant amount of money needed to retain him on a loan. Um, you know, he it's one of the most expensive loan fees in football history. Um, I, I don't think we should be looking at, at that when Chris highlighted and um, what we've been saying for a long time, which is that our focus needs to be new goalkeeper, quintessential defensive midfielder and a striker, right? Courtois, Matic, Diego Costa. We haven't replaced those three um, since they left. And lo and behold, we don't look like ch- title challengers and you need those three um that that spine to make any inroads with win- winning a title um so yeah we should not waste any more money on this luxury player uh this sort of um vanity project uh, it's i'm just so i'm so done with it uh, i want to see players who are um they just fight hard for Chelsea and he does not fall, fall into that category. Uh, you know, I spoke about culture. He does not embody the culture that we need at this club right now when we're in this 
incredible uh, dip uh, in 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 the history of um, our club. So yeah, I, I'm I'm done with them. I'm sorry. I'm just completely done. Uh, uh, I was wrong. I, I think that's the key thing. I was wrong about this player. Well, Chris Jar Felix, go ahead. Never, never been a fan, and never will be a fan. If I'm being brutally honest, I think um, he's only ever looked good playing in Portuguese football. Um, there's a reason why Diego Simeone was happy to let him go on loan. I think that's always a massive red flag when you've got world elite managers more than happy to let these supposed superstar players go on a loan uh, just to get him out. I think, um, yeah, that doesn't add anything. Doesn't add anything um, that we haven't already got. Uh, the fees are ridiculous. The money is stupid. Um and we need to spend it elsewhere. And we've spent a lot of money at the moment and we've still got more money to spend. We do not need to, uh, we do not need to waste our time on, on the, on the Twitter favourite, Twitter's favourite man. So no, no, it's one of those, I knew it would go the way it's gone. And yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to sort of drag it out any longer. Certainly not at the fees that they're talking about for, for next year's loan. I think it's 18 million plus his wages. You add that all together, but we're going to be spending a nearly 30 million quid on a loanee. And then you've got his wages on top Mental. for him to churn out four goals and two assists in the season in the bin. And, yeah, and yeah. also, um, I think it's important to highlight that Simeone's Atletico have actually gone from strength to strength, to yeah. strength in terms of attacking stats since he's left. I mean, that should scream red flags at us. I tell you what, if if there's a scenario where we let Mason Mount go and keep or buy, can you imagine if we bought Jao Felix? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I I would, uh, I would have to take a long sabbatical from watching football. I'll take up golf or something. I mean, the very notion of that is almost ruined my Sunday. So that's just me. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move on. We don't want to, yeah, don't want to, don't want to ruin any people's Sunday. So uh, finally, we just kind of end end up. With some questions that aren't really football related, but we're just going to get into. They're all for Chris. So Chris has got, got quite, a, quite a following. Uh, first one, who in the Chelsea squad would you like to go three rounds with? By the way, if you didn't know people, Chris Chris is a undefeated WC, world WCB. That's a boxing thing. Yeah, he's yeah. good at boxing, no, Chris. It's, it's, not, it's not that impressive. It's just white colour boxing, not world championship boxing. <laughs> Chris, you know, you, you didn't need to say that. You could have gone away with it. But yeah, who would who the Chelsea squad would you like to go three rounds with? Chris, I'm not going to allow you to say Christian Pulisic because I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be the same weight division. <sighs> so. <laughs> um, to be honest, mate, I'd be more than happy to do a Royal Rumble kind of thing with quite a lot of them. But um, who would have gone three rounds with not Christian Pulisic? Well, do you know what? I wouldn't mind giving. I wouldn't mind knocking John Felix's whiskers off. Again, I'm not really sure that's the same weight category, Chris. <laughs> like, I'm, try, I'm trying to make it an evenish contest here. But like, um, okay, fine, yeah. But well, do you know what? Just just because I think it would be an absolute brutal war, go go three rounds with Enzo because I reckon he, he he'd be an absolute warrior. So that would be that would be an enjoyable three rounds. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, I didn't realise he's actually said he's also sending a serious question. So. <laughs> I didn't realize I'm just checking these bloody looking forward to listen. Serious question. If taking Rom back means we can fund a move for Rice, would you accept it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't, and, I, and this is coming from someone who once tweeted that Romelu Lukaku is the worst transfer in football history or something. And yes, I would do that just because of how sorely we need 
that position and and by extension Declan Rice? He's just, just the answer is simple. It's Declan Rice fixes it. Yeah, That's fair it. enough. Fair enough. Uh, the next question comes in from Akash, who has better traps, me or Chris Gag? 100% me. The guy's an absolute pretender. I'm surprised he doesn't injure himself uh, doing the weights, to be honest. He's always messaging me about how he's injured himself and he's out for ages. So, yeah. Well, anyway, we'll find out. We'll take a picture evidence when he goes to the Newcastle game. Lovely. So don't take my word for it. We'll get photo evidence of it. Lovely, lovely stuff. I love how this is like such a select few people that only care about these last few questions, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, Max asks, how much did you spend to be a guest on this podcast? Uh, believe it or not, he spent nothing. Um, I actually <laughs> went to Chris, do you want to come on? <laughs> I know, Max, it's only taken, a, it's only taken however many years uh, to do it. But final question, why has Chris Gag got to make it about him? Why not? Chris Gag. Why not? Why always, on the on the Balotelli of the group chats, mate. Why always me? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, it's a it's a good way, good way to end the podcast. Chelsea drew a game of football with Nottingham Forest, but hey, people, we won the last three second halves in a row, so progress. Um, the sun yeah. will shine on us again. Indeed, yeah, indeed. Tweet that a lot, and I will continue to do so over the summer. Indeed, indeed. I will say one of my favourite moments yesterday was when Chelsea went two and up, our fans singing, you're going down, and then Forrest equalising, and then our fans going, you're staying up. Just kind of summing <laughs> up the, the jokey nature of us last season. It was genuinely just, oh, just, be, just yeah, if you don't laugh, you'll cry type thing. Yeah. It is it is quite funny how what was done to us. But hey, look, Frank, maybe Frank still got a bit of the bitter hatred for Leeds over Spygate and is doing his bit to get them relegated by letting Forrest get a point as well that's something we do not know and yeah Frank if you can I mean not that I think it will require much effort but if you can if we can tank next week against Manchester City that will be absolutely fine but it's probably one of the very few occasions of this podcast you will be very happy with us losing a game of football but it's what it's come down to people it's what it's come down to um that is the end of the pod. So before we go, I'm going to get our guests, our terrific guests, to give themselves one last plug where people can find us. So Harry, tell people where they can find you on Twitter for more excellent tweets. Oh, thanks, mate. Um, at HK Saratov, which is H-K-S-A-R-A-T-O-V. Yeah, nice. I nearly mentioned it there, but yeah. And Chris, tell people where they can find you just for more tweets on whatever and just random silliness uh, with the likes of Cammy and Alphonse. Yeah, nonsensical. Uh, at Chris Gag, so G-A-G-G at the end of it. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Links will be in the description if you want a, a laugh. Good, good follow those two guys. As us on Twitter at VirtualSpod. We're on Instagram at VirtualSpod, although do not really use the app. Uh, we're on all your podcast platform providers. If you're not subscribed or follow already, just search for Chelsea Podcast and we will come up. If you've liked what you've heard today, please leave a rating review. And if you thought that we talked absolute nonsense, then just keep it to yourself, please. Um, but until the next episode, keep a blue flag flying eye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.